Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Our next guest had a pretty fascinating stat on the Cavaliers. They were in rarefied air during this hot streak uh, when our next guest kind of posted this stat. Now, we talked a little bit about it yesterday, but it was all about the net rating of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they have a they had, uh, as of February 12th, a 16.2 net rating since January 1st, uh, and the only teams in the last decade to have a 16-plus uh, net rating over 19 games were the 67-win Spurs on the 15-16 season, the 67-win Warriors in 2016-2017, and the 63-win uh, paced Bucks in the 2019-2020 season. And then there were a whole host of really good teams that had a net rating of 15 or more over those 19 games or more. And we now go out to the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline and welcome the man that tweeted that stat that unearthed it, national NBA reporter for The Athletic, Mike Vorkanoff. Mike, welcome to the show, bud. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be known for my tweets. Well, listen, well that that's a slippery slope right there. Like there have yeah. been times where I've been very happy to be known for a tweet, and then there have been times where I'm like, man, I really wish nobody saw that tweet. <laughs> yeah, I I usually think that's the case, the latter, no matter what it is. But yeah, sure, we'll 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 cite this as the one positive time. So, do you take that net rating since January one? Do you take that as a sign that the Cavaliers are legitimate contenders in the Eastern Conference, given the company? of teams that have, have achieved that feat in basically quarter season increments? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good indicator, right, um, of how well they've played. Uh, I think that they're definitely up there in the East right now. I, I think that there's a clear top four uh, right now in the East that separated themselves with Joel Embiid going down. I put Boston as the top team, and then you have Milwaukee, the Knicks, and the Cavaliers kind of chasing um, but I, I think if they came into the season with some questions, uh, they certainly helped to answer them, even at a time when they were without Mobley and Garland. So I know you mentioned what you think the, the clear top four there, and I, I, I think that is the fair assessment of where it is. Uh, Cavs fans are scared, you know what, list of the Knicks after last year. Of the other three teams in that top four, which team would they want to face the most in a second-round series as of this moment today? Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, if we're not, I mean, I think you still probably pick the Knicks, um, mainly because Boston has been the best team in the NBA this year and Milwaukee for all their many, many problems, uh, still have, you know, Giannis and Dame Lillard. And uh, it's pretty scary in the playoffs. If you ask me, uh, not that the Knicks would be an easy team to play, but I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you probably you probably feel the best about playing them compared to the other two. Do you think that the postseason will go differently for the Cavs this year? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you know part of it is that they've had some personnel changes, right? Like signing the guys that they did in the off season um, really helped with Struess and George Niang, and uh, I think that Jared Allen has played so much better this year. And like obviously they got rocked on the boards last year. 
uh, with Allen and with Mobley, and you would think uh, they would have learned from that um, and kind of taken something from that if they get to the playoffs a second time. And just, you know, talking to some of these guys when they came through Brooklyn ahead of the season, it seemed like they did take some lessons from that and getting to the playoffs for the first time did, um, you know, they took something from being there for the first time that you think they would use in the second. And now they have more three-point shooting and Sam Merrill, I forgot to mention him. Uh, I, I think they're a different team than they were last year in the playoffs. And so I think the matchup with the Knicks would probably go differently. I assume they wouldn't have the total cold streak uh, that they um, that they went through in the first round last year. So I think it would be a very interesting matchup. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we go seven uh, if those two teams have to play in the playoffs. Mike Vorkanoff, national NBA reporter for the Athletic on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, who is the most non? Sorry, who is the most important non Donovan Mitchell Cavalier? for the Cavs to make either meet playoff expectations or exceed them this year? I think it's the same guy that it was last year. I think it's Evan Mobley. Um, you need him. You need him to be great. You need him to be not only the great defender, which I think he was last year in the playoffs. He was obviously during the regular season. I think he was very good in guarding Julius Randle and, you know, the other defensive assignments he had in the playoffs last year. I think you need him to produce offensively too, Right. Um, you can't just have it coming from their backcourt and just from the guards. You need someone else to space the floor. You need someone else to create. You need someone else to finish. And, you know, he obviously didn't do that in the playoffs last year, and it, and it hurt them um, that they couldn't have another reliable scoring option, and you can't do that in the playoffs when you just have only two guys that you can count on uh, to create plays and, and to create points for you. So I was uh, – so I'm going to bring you in on a – it's, it kind of is something that I think every NBA team that doesn't have a Tatum or a Giannis ends up having this conversation. But it was a conversation point. Uh, two nights ago, uh, the Cavs get themselves back in that Philadelphia game. Uh, Donovan has the ball. It gets kicked out to Darius. He missed the, misses the game-winning three, and that opened up the conversation of of whether anybody but Donovan should be taking the last shot of a basketball game when the game is on the line. I'm curious, how do you look at that in a situation like Cleveland where Donovan is clearly your best player, but Donovan's also an undersized guard that isn't a Tatum or a Giannis? I mean, he's pretty good at creating his own shot, right? He's shown that throughout his career. He's Yeah, he's only 6'2 or whatever, but he's shown repeatedly that he can create his own shot. Um, and even in big-time situations. I think, to me, it's kind of a nuanced thing. It's like, Yes, you want the ball in Donovan Mitchell's hands when you're probably starting that possession or starting that action. But if it leads to a good shot for someone else, somewhere else on the floor, you know, if it's a wide open three for someone or you find Mobley underneath the basket or whatever the case may be, I don't think that's a bad outcome for the Cavs. I think you just probably want the ball starting in Mitchell's hands or at least Garland's hands and going from there and seeing what the play leads to. So I know I'm asking this at a time where I think it's tough to tell because they, they got like seven games in with Doc Rivers, uh, and they're only and they've only fallen quote unquote only to the third seed in the East. Are are the Bucks really in trouble, or is this something they're going to recover from? Uh, yes, is my is my question <laughs> to both of those things. Um, I yeah, I mean they're obviously got some problems. They fired a coach, right? Uh, and it hasn't gotten better since they hired Doc Rivers, but maybe they can take the break, take a week uh, to try to figure these things out. But, you know, it, the problems that they've had before Doc got there, since got doctor, got doc, uh, doc got there, are the types of things that sink you in the playoffs. You have two just, you know, 
amazing all-time type of players with Giannis and Dame that can cover up a lot of issues, and you think that they wouldn't they would not have the same late game offensive problems that they've had the last few years because Damian Lillard changes so much for them, uh, and, and maybe they can figure out their defense. And, and that's the thing is if they can figure out the defense, I, I think the offense will come around because they still have Giannis. They have Lillard that can give them that kind of diversity in the shots that they get and the looks that they give to opposing teams. And their offense has been just awesome this year. So if they can figure the defense out, um, it's, you know, I think they'll be okay, but it seems to be a big if because uh, as good as they were the last few years, they just haven't been able to replicate it this year. And obviously Drew Holiday is not there, so they have to figure something out. Mike, looking out West, a guy we know all too well, LeBron James, uh, there was some scuttlebutt that he might want traded or that he might be fed up with what's going on with L.A. Uh, then there's the report that comes out today that the Warriors, through back channels, tried to see if he really w- wanted out of there, and they want they were eager to present a deal to bring LeBron to pair him with uh, Steph Curry. And then uh, there was the Lakers not making a move at the deadline because LeBron committed to them. I'm just curious, if you could take the Lakers or the field, what would you take for LeBron's home after this summer? The Lakers or the field for the home. Mm. Uh, I will bet on inertia and I'll bet on the Lakers. Um, I think that, I, th- I think that's where I put my money. Yeah. I, I would bet on the Lakers and, and assume that things stay the same. Cause he's got it still pretty good in LA, I think. Uh, and they have some more assets that will be available to them to make a move um, this summer that they can do something with. Uh, but obviously, you know, there's there's getting to be a good amount of smoke right now um, with everything the last few weeks. If LeBron came out and just said, he didn't say he was going to leave, but if LeBron just came out and said, I'm going to listen to other offers this summer before I decide what I'm going to do the rest of my career, how many teams of the NBA do you think would be uh, would would come up with a plan to make room for LeBron or acquire LeBron? I mean, they should all try, right? Um I, I don't know a team who wouldn't be better by adding LeBron James. I don't know how many of them he would actually consider, uh, but that they should all definitely at least try. You know, he'd be he'd make every team pretty much better if he got there. I, I, you misspelled Cleveland, but I agree. Um, <laughs> no, you don't want LeBron back. No, I hundred percent want. No, I, I miss if that's what you heard. I miss. No, yeah, I would take LeBron back tomorrow. Not even a joke. <laughs> Yeah, it went pretty well the first two times, I think. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things where, like, there's a segment of people who are like, uh, I want to win without LeBron. And I'm like, I'd rather just win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes you have to do it one time. Nice. What'd you say there, bud? No, I said I agree with you. Sometimes the winning is just nice, no matter how it comes. Yeah, I like winning uh, with a, a, a complicated situation better than I do losing without any complication, which is really nice. Just, I really like these guys kind of thing. Follow this man on Twitter, at Mike Vorkanov. Mike, great stuff, man. Appreciate it. And uh, enjoy the All-Star game as much as anyone can enjoy the All-Star game and the All-Star break. Uh, thanks. Anytime. And, and same to you. Hopefully you can find five minutes of something you like in that game. Uh, I At least five minutes. It'll be the three-point shooting contest, which I know isn't the game, but still, you got it. Mike, appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Bye. Mike Vorkanoff on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Interesting stuff on the Cavaliers. We've got to get to that and the right and the wrong of the last shot conversation when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's next on 92.3 The Fan. I think we're kind of at the logical point when you get to 
the, the second half of the season, which is after tonight, you, you've kind of concluded the All-Star break and the All-Star weekend acts kind of as that natural um, in-between, even though we're well past the 50% mark in the NBA. So we'll have that to come as well on today's show. Uh, a former Cavalier with some interesting thoughts on where the Cavs are, but um, it really was just uh, a pornographic headline and a story put out there by Woj and Ramona Shelbourne today that uh, apparently the Warriors called the Lakers and LeBron at the deadline to gauge interest in bringing him uh, to Golden State, to the Bay, uh, sorry, to the Bay Area to play with Steph Curry. And there's a lot of really interesting things about this, including that the Warriors were, quote, eager to present a deal to L.A., but neither the Lakers nor James were willing to explore a potential a blockbuster. It started with the Warriors owner calling the, the Lakers owner to see whether uh, LeBron's frustration, uh, his post-game comments, his, his hourglass tweet were a sign he was open to uh, being dealt. And here's what I think is honestly, like you want to start to get into the optics problems of the NBA. Uh, earlier on Wednesday, so one day before the trade deadline, Draymond Green, who Rich Paul also represents at Clutch, uh, had sent Paul a text message soliciting his help in convincing James to join him in Golden State. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. I, I, I don't think the NBA realized how bad of a look this is. One, I, I know that they went through the proper channels. How do you not view this as tampering? Like, how is this not, like, owner to owner, then owner to agent, and then player on said team to his agent as an intermediary? And, I, I, honestly, if LeBron went to Golden State, it'd be a really cool story because LeBron was Steph Curry. It would be box office for the rest of the year. I totally understand why LeBron didn't want to go to Golden State. I totally understand why LeBron wouldn't want to be traded. But I just, like, this is the kind of stuff that happens all the time and it's so weird. NBA reporters love pointing out that Draymond Green loves to recruit other players like Kevin Durant in 2016 after the you know the day after. The as soon as they lost, he went right to his car and he texted Kevin Durant. I don't see how players think this is a good look. And I think some of this is Draymond is really desperate to be seen on the level of LeBron James and players of that ilk, and that's why like that's why he has a podcast. He's not doing it for the money. All right, Draymond's going to top out his career at about $300 million. Draymond's going to do just fine financially. Dray everything Draymond does, and, and listen, I actually think he's going to be a fantastic basketball analyst when he officially retires. Like, they're going to need to replace Charles Barkley and Shaq at some point, and Draymond's perfect for that. He is. He's a big personality. He's not afraid to speak his mind, but, like, it, it does bug me, and there's something about that guy that does bug me, and it's not the Cleveland thing. Um, you know, like he accused uh, Yusuf Nurkic and Kevin Durant of trying to damage his character because both Kevin Durant and, and Yusuf Nurkic kind of came out talking uh, after 
the latest cheap shot by Draymond Green on 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 Yusuf Nurkic in the game. It look, it's almost like that time off did nothing for Draymond. And then the whole media, oh, well, he he walked the line. It's the best he's walked the line in a minute because he didn't out and out assault somebody. Like I just I don't understand. This, there's this protectionism in in the NBA. There's one of us mentality with Draymond Green. And so I think it's awful to hear player on team A at the deadline in the middle of a season, let alone in the offseason, is actively trying to tamper. I think that's so much more corrosive and so much more widespread in the NBA than, um, I, I don't know, Danny Ainge reaching out to player A. It's so funny how just like, and 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 this is a oh, it's a great story about how the Warriors want to bring together LeBron and and oh, Draymond encouraged them. Cool. Let's talk about what this does. And listen, it's Lakers fans. Nobody cares. And I understand that. Like crocodile tears for Lakers fans. The problem is it it happens a lot more to towns like Cleveland and Utah and Portland and San Antonio than it does to the Lakers. And so just overall, I just hate this crap about the NBA. And I hate to be that guy because I think player movement is good. I think player movement overall stimulates interest. I think the college, uh, the transfer portal in college football is tremendous for college football because when you have the, the, the players that everybody knows in the portal, even if they don't leave, it's, it, it constantly is generating uh, topics, right? Like, oh, who's, who's Ohio State going to get a quarterback, right? There was the Riley Leonard thing. There was Will Howard. There was... Uh, Cam Ward, there was uh, Dante Moore, and that happens at every school, every big school. So, okay, premier programs, players moving, premier players going to premier programs. I do think that is inevitably good. In baseball, the biggest problem is good luck being one of 25 teams that can't make a move that is substantial. Like Cody Bellinger, who had a really nice season last year, not quite MVP level season, but definitely an all-star plus level season. He's a free agent this year, and the guy's got five places he can go. Shohei Otani had maybe legitimately three places he could have gone. That's not good for baseball. So player movement, I do think, only drives. That's why the NFL's king, right? They've they've monopolized the NFL draft in a way that is beautiful to watch. And NFL free agency and trades constantly, even in the offseason, even in June, like we, or May with Zedaria Smith, it it rules the roost. It, it's how you steal attention at every part of the time. But this specific type of player movement feels icky. That's not even what I really want to talk about. Now, like I, I, I'm fascinated with the idea of LeBron and why he said, I'm not leaving. I think that's the more interesting point. But man, how do you not feel like, what the... You know what is going on in the NBA when a when an aging Draymond's a really good player. Draymond's going to get into the Hall of Fame because Draymond was on those Warriors teams, and you can't dispute how important Draymond was to those Warriors teams. He unlocked his ability as a facilitator, as kind of an everyman. That's a that's a really interesting player for those two guys he played with. If Draymond hadn't played with Steph and Clay. And he had just been for the Pistons, or he'd been for if it, the Cavs had the uh, second round draft pick before the Warriors that year. He's not the same player. So much of what made him as a player, it's Ben Wallace in Detroit versus Ben Wallace in Washington and Orlando. But he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's also an aging, really never was a truly great, he was a great defensive player. Now I'm, now I'm sounding like I'm jaded. 
but he's an aging, never will be again great player. And he's out here trying to seduce and use his agent to get the best, the biggest star in the game to his spot. Oh, by the way, of course LeBron's not going to Golden State. The Lakers were the 10 seed and the, the Warriors were the 8 seed. Or I think there was like 8 and 9 seed. Hey, would you like to come and be one spot ahead of us in the West and no closer to winning a title? Yeah, LeBron, LeBron with Steph sounds really sexy, but it's also a move that if it doesn't work out, there's egg on LeBron's face. Whatever LeBron does next, and I do think this summer is going to be fascinating. Um, I would tend to agree with Mike Vorkanoff, who we had at three. I tend to think if it's Lakers of the field where he's going to be next year, I'd still take the Lakers. But I think the Lakers bet on themselves, and they better <laughs> better pay off. Because if you didn't make a deal at the deadline other than signing Spencer Dinwiddie off the trash heap, and you end up being one and done, or you're on the, the play-in and you don't make the playoffs, good luck. Good luck selling LeBron, because LeBron likes to feel supported, and there's no way that guy feels supported right now. I'll still take the Lakers, but man... That could change very quickly if things get ugly in L.A. or uglier in L.A. But, like, LeBron LeBron understands the optics of being traded and not him choosing his destination. LeBron understands the optics of going to Golden State where people might not like that and LeBron does not like to not be liked. And why would he go ahead and okay this only to turn around and have to make another decision this summer? Honestly, from the Warriors, not only is it bad form with the Draymond thing, it's also peak desperation. 216-474-0092. You guys have a problem with uh, with the Warriors calling LeBron? I just it's tampering. It's just the like and the NBA should care about this sort of stuff. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.